Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Wars in Europe since 71, and no likelihood in our time of any more big wars. Things settle down, and he comes in for it all. I hope all this settling down won't make the world too monotonous, said Arthur. You artists and writers have got to see to that. No, I don't see it getting monotonous. There's always differences of climate and color, temperament, all sorts of differences. And nature, said Arthur profoundly, old mother nature. Have you christened Peter yet? Oswald asked abruptly. He's not going to be christened, said Dolly, not until he asks to be. We've just registered him. He's a registered baby. So he won't have two godfathers and a godmother to be damned for him. We've weighed the risks, said Arthur. He might have a godfather. Just poor rear, said Oswald. That's different, Dolly encouraged promptly. We must get him one. I'd like to be Peter's godfather, said Oswald. I will deny him no advantage, said Arthur. The ceremony, the ceremony shall be a simple one, godfather. Peter, Peter, godfather, Peter, my son. Salute your godfather. Oswald seemed trying to remember a formula. I promise and vow three things in his name. First, a beautiful mug. Secondly, that he shall be duly instructed in chemistry, biology, mathematics, the French and German tongues, and all that sort of thing. And thirdly, that... What is thirdly? That he shall renounce the devil and all his works. But there isn't a devil nowadays. Peter having consumed his bottle to the dregs and dreamt over it for a space, now thrust it from him and, turning towards Oswald, regurgitated, but within the limits of nursery good manners. Then he smiled a toothless, slightly derisive smile. "'Intelligent he is,' crooned Dolly. "'Unstand everything he does.' Part Three. This conversation about Peter's future, once it had been started, rambled on for the next three weeks, and then Oswald very abruptly saw fit to be called away to Africa again. Various interlocutors dropped in while that talk was in progress. Arthur felt his way to his real opinions through a series of experimental dogmas. Arthur's disposition was towards an extreme Rousseauism, is the tendency of the interrogative class in all settled communities. He thought that a boy or girl ought to run wild until twelve and not be bothered by lessons, ought to eat little else but fruit and nuts, Go bareheaded and barefooted. Why not? Oswald's disposition would have been to oppose Arthur anyhow, but against these views all his circle of ideas fought by necessity. If Arthur was Ruskinite and Morrisite, Oswald was as completely Huxleyite. If Arthur thought the world perishing for need of art and nature, Oswald stood as strongly for the saving power of science. In this matter of bare feet, there's thorns, pins, snakes, tetanus, reflected Oswald. The foot hardens. Only the soul, said Oswald, and not enough. 
shielded from all the corruptions of town and society said arthur presently there's no such corrupter as that old mother nature of yours you daren't leave that bottle of milk to her for half an hour but what she turns it sour or poisons it with one of her beastly germs i never approved of the bottle said arthur bringing a flash of hot resentment into dolly's eyes oswald regretted his illustration old mother nature is a half-wit he said she's distraught you overrate the jade she's thinking of everything at once all her affairs got into a hopeless mess from the very start most of her world's desert with water running to waste a tropical forest is three-quarters death and decay and what is alive is either murdering or being murdered when you come to artificial things such as a ploughed field for example that you get space and health in every blade doing its best i don't call a ploughed field an artificial thing said arthur but it is said oswald dr fermison was dragged into this dispute a ploughed field he maintained is part of the natural life of man like boots and reading i wouldn't say that said dr fermison warily he had the usual general practitioner's belief that any education whatever is a terrible strain on the young and he was quite on the side of rousseau and arthur in that matter moreover as a result of his professional endeavors he had been forced to a belief that nature's remedies are the best i'd like to know just what does belong to the natural life of man and what is artificial said oswald if a ploughed field belongs then a plough belongs and if a plough belongs a foundry belongs and a coal mine and you wouldn't plough in bare feet not in these wheeled clays down there you want good stout boots for those and you'd let your ploughman read at least a calendar boots and books come in you see you're a perfect lawyer mr sydenham said the doctor and pretended the discussion had become fanciful but you'll not leave him to go unlettered until he's half grown up said oswald to dolly in real distress it's so easy to teach him to read early and so hard later i remember my little brother i am the mother and i muff said dolly when peter displays the slightest interest in the alphabet the alphabet it shall be oswald felt reassured he had a curious confidence that dolly could be trusted to protect his godchild part four one day aunt phyllis and aunt phoebe came down both sisters participated in the stublin break back to color but while aunt phyllis was a wit and our hats a spree aunt phoebe was fantastically serious and our hats went beyond a joke they got their stuffs apparently from the shop of william morris and company they had their dresses built upon pre-raphaelite lines they did their hair plainly and simply but very carelessly and their hats were noble brimmers or extravagant toques. Their profiles were as fine almost as Arthur's, a type of profile not so suitable for young women as for golden youth. They were bright-eyed and a little convulsive in their movements. Beneath these extravagances and a certain conversational wildness, they lived nervously austere lives. They were greatly delighted with Peter, but they did not know what to do with him. Phyllis held him rather better than Phoebe, but Phoebe, with her chatelaine, amused him rather more than Phyllis. "'How happy a tinker's baby must be,' said Aunt Phoebe, rattling her trinkets or a tinsmith's. "'I begin to see some use in a Hindu woman's bangles,' said Aunt Phyllis, "'for in that clatter machine of yours, Phoebe, every young mother should rattle. Make a note of it, Phoebe dear, for your book.' 
"'Whatever you do with him, Dolly,' said Aunt Phoebe, "'teach him anyhow to respect women and treat them as his equals, from the very first. "'Meaning votes,' said Aunt Phyllis. "'Did ums want ums mummy a vote, then?' "'Never let him touch butcher's meat in any shape or form,' said Aunt Phoebe. "'Once a human child tastes blood, the mischief is done. "'Avoid patriotic songs and symbols,' prompted Aunt Phyllis, "'who had heard these ideas already in the train coming down. "'And never buy him toy soldiers, drums, guns, trumpets. "'These things soak deeper into the mind than people suppose. "'They make wickedness domestic. "'Surround him with beautiful things. Accustom him.' She winced that Arthur should hear her, but she spoke as one having a duty to perform. Accustom him to the nude, Dolly, from his early years. Associate it with innocent amusements. Retrieve the fall. Never let him wear a hat upon his head nor boots upon his feet. As soon tie him up into a papoose. As soon tight lace. A child's first years should be one long dream of loveliness and spontaneous activity. But at this point Peter betrayed signs that he found his aunts overstimulating. He released his grip upon the thimble-case of the chatelaine. His face puckered. Ridges and waves and puckers of pink fatness ran distractedly over it, and he threw his head back and opened a large, square, toothless mouth. "'Mary!' cried Dolly, in a comfortable presence that had been hovering mistrustfully outside the door ever since the aunts appeared, entered with alacrity and bore Peter protectingly away. "'He must be almost entirely lungs,' said Aunt Phoebe, when her voice could be heard through the receding ball. Other internal organs no doubt develop later. "'Come out to the stone table under the roses,' said Dolly. "'We argue there about Peter's upbringing almost every afternoon.' "'Argue, I grant you,' said Aunt Phoebe, following her hostess and dangling her chatelaine from one hand as if to illustrate her remarks but argue rightly. When Oswald came over in the 